listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 82, covering The Vengeance Factor and The Defector. Hello, friends. We're back. Yes, we are. We brought our pal Gav with us. I'm Captain Picard. <laughs> poke, poke, poke. If there's one thing I enjoy, it's people saying who they are. <laughs> what are you, who, Captain Picard, Bosk, and who else? Um, oh, uh, uh, George Lowe. Oh, of course, he's George Lowe. I'm George Lowe. We're completely I'm losing Captain the audience, Picard. you know that, right? I, I don't care. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> Matt doesn't care about you folks. Oh, they already knew that. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I don't care about them either. Um, Gav, you're going to have to pick up the care for the rest of us. Uh, yes, because there's one thing I'm full of. It's care. <laughs> and not spite. <laughs> no. On, or beer. Uh, well, you just you just started the beer. I mean, it's, you know, it's still relatively early over there. Mm-hmm. But, you know. It, it, is, it is past beer time. Well, it's also Saturday. It's I, it just occurred to me. Which means yes. you could get a much earlier start. Yeah, you... On a Saturday, you can start drinking whenever you want. I'm in the UK, you can start drinking whenever you want, and I think whenever you want is like age six. Yep. Anyway, speaking of spite, <laughs> why don't we talk about this first episode, which is the kind of episode I have been dreading since we started. Yeah. And and Matt kept saying, "What are you talking about? I've never seen one like that." Well, now we have. The stupid, boring factor. Yeah. <laughs> the vengeance factory. <laughs> Gav, why don't you tell the people what happens in the Vengeance Factory? I would love to. All right, uh, and I'll tell them thusly. Nails hey, in the away <laughs> He's not listening. Right. Nails in the away team, who I think had a top forty hit in the nineteen sixty four, beam into a place so green you'd think its mother had been rogered by a green lantern, or father come to that. Anyway, <laughs> they find dead bodies and evidence of alien involvement. Those pesky aliens, or in this case, Achimerians. Hey, Achimeria. The Achimerians have an offshoot of their race called Gatherers, who travel about raiding outposts. The reverse A-team, I suppose. Starfleet are furious about this, so much they really want to negotiate. Maruk, the leader of Achimeria, probably because she's staring the wrong way down a phaser of a galactic-class starship, agrees to talk with them about repatriation. <laughs> While Riker talks to her servant Yuta about some repatriation of his own. Eventually, the Enterprise finds one of the Gatherer tribes. Oh god, I'm getting Voyager Kazon flashback. Anyway, they beam down and talk to the leader, Brull, while Yuta secretly kills one of the Gatherers. But no one cares because he's old and some random guy gets his possessions, which appears to be a gimp suit. But no time for that because it's off to find the leader of the leader, Chorgon. While they're travelling, Nao shows Yuda why he's got that name and tries her Parthas. <coughs> Torgon's attempt to fire on the Enterprise amuses them and Picard and Co. just beam right over anyway. <laughs> Eventually, Maruk and Chorgon uh, try some trash talk with each other while Picard just smiles thinking about his horse. Then when they get down to actual negotiation, the gatherers scoff at getting land for farming. Yeah, humans have only been doing that for six and a half thousand years. <laughs> Meanwhile, Crusher and Riker find out that the old man didn't die of old age. It turns out it isn't man, but Yuta. And she's fulfilling some kind of tribal grudge by remaining young or something and killing another tribe. Riker's outraged she's not as young as he thought she was, so beams over to the ship just as Yuta's about to poison Shorgan. In tragedy of tragedies, he's forced to kill her and stare at a wall. Are we really going to have to go through this with Riker every time one of his gonorrhea-ridden floozies offs it? <laughs> that is a great turn of phrase. <laughs> gonorrhea-riddled floozies. Also, I think Picard and Co. also had a top 40 hit in 1964. <laughs> that was my We're Picard and Company. <laughs> Oh, Christ. Yeah, this is the uh, dreaded Mullity Rebels episode, and this oh, is the first of many. And Star Trek loves ragtag bands of filthy rebels. We'll see it again. We'll see it with the with the Maquis. We'll see it, I guess, with the, the Kazon. Just mm. yes. terrible, terrible idea, and I don't think it's ever done well. It's like, Star Trek has a very clear idea of what it thinks, like, like, uh... 
sort of loner rebels away from the Federation are. And apparently the exact opposite of what the Federation is, is filthy people with greasy hair. Living on the set of an 80s hard rock video. It was like a a construction site with flaming trash cans and low lighting. I was just waiting for What's-His-Nuts to whip out a keytar and just start jamming. (laughs) (laughs) It could be anywhere. Chorgon, bro... Whichever yeah, them. any any one of them could whip out a keytar. I sure, sure gone. <laughs> All right, Gav, why don't you why don't you try to find a good thing? I dare you. Uh, I my good thing was I love Picard the negotiator, specifically yeah, in this because he was like negotiate. He's helping them to negotiate, and it seemed like he was on uh, some kind of drugs because he was just smiling <laughs> all the way through it, and he didn't really give a fuck. Well, the, the whole thing, the whole problem I have with these kinds of episodes is there's absolutely nothing at stake for the Federation apart from having some stuff stolen. Mm-hmm. There, we don't know, nobody in the Enterprise crew has anything, any invested in this conflict at all. It's completely apart from just... Riker. Yeah, well, yeah, apart from Riker. But, but there's no reason for Picard to be negotiating apart from some stolen stuff. Yeah. Well, it was like stolen stuff. stole our VCRs. Uh, and a, f- a couple of people were beaten up or whatever it was. Oh, and, was it? Okay. But my problem was, yeah, because they were in the sick bay at the beginning, but my problem was that they didn't seem, that the Federation were, like, really angry about this, but they were just like, we're so angry, we're not going to do anything about it, we'll just get them to chat or something. Yeah, they need to, they need to fix it among themselves, but uh, they need to fix it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, once you're, well, apparently once you're part of the Federation, that Prime Directive stuff no longer matters. Well, that's you can true. just tell them whatever the fuck to do. That's that is completely true. The Prime Directive only applies to planets that aren't in the Federation yet. Mm-hmm. So you're right about that. <laughs> now, are, are now, they, it's like, all right. Wait, wait. Are Akamaria in you the Federation? I don't know. Actually, that's a good point. I thought they were. I mean, you assume, right? Because, like, well, they, have they ships. went in there and interfered. Yeah, well, yeah, they have ships. Presumably they also have warp, which is the, yeah. you know, the threshold. I thought if you just have warp power, you can just go in and fuck around with them. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I also don't care, is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're here to discuss, and I don't want to shoot down a point that, that you, my good friend, have made, but I really don't care, Gav. Um, I I like the idea that Picard does this kind of thing a lot. I like that he's good Mm -hmm. at it. I don't necessarily need to see it, though. No, but I mean, like, this is basically his big, his big deal. He's, yeah, this is what really sets him apart from Kirk, is that he talks to people and doesn't Mm -hmm. just shoot them or leave them stranded. Like, this isn't the first hundred year war he's ended. Right. No, and he's good at it. And a lot of times they'll send him because he's one of the best guys. He's better than a proper diplomat. Yeah. Which I think is hilarious. They have a whole diplomatic corps. They have ambassadors that can handle this stuff. And they end up sending a Starfleet captain more often than not because he's better than they are. It's like, well, this is the hardest one of these we've had to face. Unleash the Picard. <laughs> uh, what I about your, uh, Picard. <laughs> <laughs> what about your bad thing? My, uh, the bizarre act breaks that, that were happening in it. It, uh, I mean, one of them was th- that uh, Crusher found out that uh, the old guy was actually murdered and didn't die of old age, and that was an act break. But then Which we had already audience, seen but, happen. Yeah, we had the, well, the audience had already seen her kill him, so right. well, not Crusher, but but so I don't understand why it was such a thing. Why, why it, is that going to be an act break? And people are going to see that and go, oh, "I have to, I have to find out what's happening." Yeah, I better tune back in after the commercial. <laughs> Oh my god, this guy was murdered. Yeah, we just saw that. <laughs> it feels like they just wrote one story that went for 50 minutes, and then they drew a line every 10 minutes, and that's the act break. They didn't really structure the story mm. that way. They just said, well, enough time has passed. Time for a commercial. Yep. Uh, Matt, what about you? All right. Uh, Utah was pretty hot in that crazy, <laughs> weird, pretty way. She was. She was, um, I, I knew I'd seen her somewhere before. She was in a couple of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that I enjoyed as a lad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she is very pretty and not a terrible actor either, I'll say. No. Like, she carried, the, the script was garbage and she did her best. Yeah. But it's not really her fault. But, uh, no. I mean, you know, she wasn't bad to look at. Mm-hmm. She could be <laughs> That's it. That's true. She did cook uh, Captain Archer's dog, <laughs> apparently. Porthos a la Utah. <laughs> How they serve beagles in Utah. <laughs> well, first, first Scotty uh, beamed the dog to an adjacent planet, mm-hmm. and that went horribly wrong, and then they cooked it a hundred years later. <laughs> yep. Uh, and your bad thing? Uh, 
God, where to start? No, uh, I could not care less about the stupid problems of the dirty people and the clean people. They are both completely and utterly boring and unlikable. Yep. And like I said, there's a lot of episodes like this where, first of all, yeah, you got the Rebels, which is bad enough. But then you also have just absolutely nothing at stake. And if the characters themselves aren't likable enough, then why do we care? Like, why yeah. do we, the audience, completely... Why should we even watch? Because it doesn't matter if they blow each other up or if they make peace. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. like... The the woman in charge of the clean people lost me because she looks like Kai Wynn. So automatically, I don't care what, what about whatever. Yeah, she very has to very say. severe middle aged woman who feels like she's always been a bureaucrat who like holds her authority over you. Yeah, and the guy and the king of the dirty people lost any respect I might have had for him by a not wearing a shirt over his greasy chest oh, hair. Oh God. And B, grabbing the book Wesley was reading out of his hand so he could make fun of him. I hate when people do that. People actually grab the book out of your hands? That's yeah, that's what happened I was just going to like, say. What, people really? have actually... A few wouldn't... times. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. In Canada? Yeah. <laughs> Since high school? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I could see people in, you know, dicks in high school doing that, but I can't see people out in the world doing that. No, I was fucking reading at a Wendy's one time. And someone just took and your this... book? Yeah, it's just like, what's this? <laughs> It's what a fucking hell? book. Yes. Yeah, it's it's got, like, pages. You turn them. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, you, you want to get me to tell you to fuck off really quickly? That's a good way to do it. Well, also to be old or... Yeah. Be, I don't know. There's a whole <laughs> too list. Too old, too young. Yeah. Too, too old to complete the training. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're trying to sell me books, I don't want to hear from you either. All right, so no book-related uh, interaction whatsoever. Yes. Unless it's an actual book. Probably for book. the best. What, what's that? <laughs> Unless it's an actual book. Right. Yes. Uh, for me, my good thing was actually watching Riker put the nails on Utah, her name was, <laughs> was actually pretty cool. Like, you know, Frakes has that great charm, and it's once again nice to see that he's not the the whole Kirk thing of demanding the woman or expecting the woman to go to bed with him. He's, he respects them, but he still manages mm -hmm. to get him between the sheets, and... I like that about him. And uh, he he wasn't given a good script, but Frakes had some really good stuff in this episode. Yeah. No, it, as bad as the script was, like, like Riker comes across as just as likable as normal. Yeah, and there's that scene at the end where she must kill whatever the fat wardy guy's name is. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter. And um, Wasn't it like Chodon or something? Yeah, Chodon Baker. And uh, it was clam chowder. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Where she's trying to kill clam chowder, and um, she's moving forward just with this very deliberate, like, "I know you're going to kill me. I don't care. This is my purpose. I, I'm I'm dead now, but I'm going to mm -hmm. keep going." And he's got to shoot her, and then he's got to turn the phaser up and shoot her again, and then he finally has to vaporize her. And it's actually not a bad moment. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, uh, my bad thing. Uh, yeah, I I hate mullety rebels so much. Just. Bad mm. costumes, bad idea, nothing redeemable or likable or interesting about them at all. I sometimes wonder if, as it went farther along, if Red Dwarf's basis for what Lister dressed like was based on Melody <laughs> Rebels. <laughs> it's very similar to me. I, I could see that. There's a point where they're pouring drinks on each other, and that felt like yep. a very Lister-y thing. E yeah. So what else? Um, oh god. Well, there was, a, the old, there was an old Worf versus the door. Oh yeah, that great gag where Worf tries to open the door and can't, and Data just walks up and opens it easily. Mm -hmm. They love that uh, joke. If it helps at all, Commander, I, you loosened it for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Do you feel better now? No. Are you going to go and cry some Klingon tears? <laughs> Klingon Tears, was like, was a num Klingon Tears was a number one for uh, Riker and Co. <laughs> oh, that's when that was the super group, Riker and Co. It was Riker and the away team and Picard and Co. combined. With their number yeah. one hit, Tears of a Klingon. <laughs> oh, God. There's well, a, there's a nice talking about the episode. Where, well, yeah. Yep. That's, we, we talked about a lot of things that weren't this episode. <laughs> Anything's better than talking about this episode. So how about that local sports team, guys? Hey, there was a scene uh, where they're looking out the uh, out the window and the, and the ship goes to warp. That's okay. Yeah, the warp effect was really nice. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. That wasn't bad. Oh, and there was Maru. I'm surprised no one picked. What's up? <laughs> it was sorry, completely different. I was going to say Maru and her Riker maneuver. 
where oh, she I uh, oh where yeah, she, she had her she, leg up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she right. put she put, put, put oh, her yeah, leg that's up. Right. <laughs> she looked like she was commanding a pirate crew. Well, <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she slapped her knee. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Gather round, mateys, and I'll tell ye a tale. What's on call ye? Going to going to find Kai Wynn's treasure. That would have been slightly more entertaining than what we got, but only slightly. <laughs> All my notes, I'm looking over my notes now, and they keep saying things like, this guy I don't know and don't care about might be dead. <laughs> oh, no! Just, uh, <laughs> don't care. Don't care. Uh, don't care. Don't care. Yep. Don't care. <laughs> All right, your story checked out. Moving on. <laughs> it's strange clues or get-ups that the uh, gatherers have. You know, like like the... Uh, well, you said a gimp the, the... suit. They look sort of like rubber fetish suits, which are not too far removed from the Borg. Yeah. yeah. Except they I look guess cool they just, the Borg. I guess they just gather so much they have to stick the rest to themselves. <laughs> they, they don't have anywhere else to put it. Why don't they just call them the thieves? Calling them the gatherers <laughs> yeah. seems like you're being a little too politically correct about it. Yeah, it's like you expect them to sort of sneak up afterwards and pick up after a battle or something. Right. These guys go around killing people and stealing their stuff. Yeah, scavengers, maybe? <laughs> the burglars? Yeah, the burglars. They should all wear striped shirts and masks. That is, at le- that is at least as stupid as what they currently wear. That's true. Um, they're actually... Oh, they all have terrible acne. Yeah, oh God. Yeah, the prosthetic warts. Just, uh, yep. oh, bleh. There was there was actually not a bad sort of C plot where uh, Beverly's trying to solve the medical mystery of how the guy died and so yeah. forth. And I, I will give credit where it's due because we've we've talked bad about Beverly a lot. She actually does some pretty good like um, forensic medicine in this episode. Yeah. No, but I, I like the idea of her like of her. You know, this old man died mysteriously, and Picard is like, I don't care. <laughs> What? My one of my last notes here. Well, at least we've learned a valuable lesson about the futility of because <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like one of those old school original series episodes where war is bad. Okay, yeah, I get it. Thank you. Oh, is it? Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I never would have guessed. There was a really good scene I thought between Picard and Riker at the very end, where Picard realizes Riker had to kill his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, the business of the ship must go on. And there's a nice little, if you want to talk about it, we can. But we're dudes who don't really talk about our feelings. I don't know. It was just it's a very quick scene, but I like the vibe of it a good deal. Yeah. And that's how it so, ends. Uh, with he's sort of, it's sort of a wistful kind of Riker's not happy moment. Yeah. And I like so that. you uh, you want to talk about it? No. All right. Good. I'm out of here. Good. <laughs> Neither All do right. I. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm, I'm Captain my Picard. <laughs> Picard. He's not Aesop. Yes, he just turns. Be. He just arrives in the uh, ten forward, and some woman gives Picard a uh, a, a pod or whatever. <laughs> she doesn't know where and Picard she, is. She's just been walking in circles in ten forward for an hour. She's finally. Thinking, oh, thank God. God, I'm going to have to go to the bridge now. Oh, he's here! <laughs> Fantastic! What am I going to do <laughs> I, I with my like, five minutes of extra time? <laughs> she's scared of Worf. She won't go up there. <laughs> Jordy sent her, sent her to deliver a pad to Picard, and she just went to the holodeck instead to kill an hour. <laughs> well, and then he shows up, and she's like, "Oh." Uh, here. Oh. Back to work. Here. Deliver ah. Yep, I sure did. You were gone a long time. I was lost. <laughs> you can ask the computer. Uh, the computer doesn't like me. <laughs> we just created computer, a new where? character. <laughs> that would, that would computer, fit in quite well. Yes, that's how it happens. <laughs> where is Ensign wherever? I don't care what you think, Jordy. <laughs> so, is this basically just a female, uh... Barkley? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yep. Yes, Regina Barkley. <laughs> it's her job which, to deliver uh, pads, and that's it. Which, if Voyager had gone on another year, he would have become Regina Barkley. <sighs> yeah, I like I like that uh, Matt and I are bitching about this episode, and Gav's just like, "Yeah, you think this is bad? That's cute." Yeah, this uh, this does not bode well. You know for, what I uh... just finished doing seven years of, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, to you, this is probably fantastic. <laughs> I've been to in the me, wars. It was Tuesday. <laughs> Don't mention the Voyager. <laughs> uh. You said Voyager. Um, yeah, about, about Riker and, and Yuda. Um, there was a couple of funny bits. There was one where he and they were hugging in his quarters at one point, or her quarters, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> the red alert alarm just went off. <laughs> and I just I just thought it was her chastity alarm that had gone off at that point. <laughs> 
<laughs> that or the boner detector we keep talking about. Yes. Yep. And uh, and Claire, she says to, Claire, she's, she says to him, "I've Claire. never been good at conversation." And <laughs> why would he care about conversation? Yeah, he doesn't want that. <laughs> That's fine. There's a there's a nice moment where they're in ten forward, and she brings him the food, and he's sitting there with Troy, and there's a very understood moment where Troy's like, "Well, I know what's going on here. Bye." I'd like to go see what that other guy I bang is up to. Yeah, I I just I like that they and we've said this before. I think they have an arrangement where they they sleep together when there's nothing going on, but when the, someone else comes in the picture, they just the other one steps out. Okay, here you go. Yep, enjoy that. I just I like to. You know, think it's gotten that. to the point. It's gotten to the point where that's basically canon in my head now. Yeah. Well, all the weird shit we keep making up has just become like they they mentioned the hood <laughs> in the next episode, and you're like, oh god, that ship full of awful people. <laughs> Well, technically, it's the Hood D. Ah, that's true. Not necessarily, though. The Enterprise, like, captains keep blowing up Enterprises, but it's possible the Hood is still around. No, but yeah. I like the idea that it's called the Hoodie. Oh. <laughs> you're the worst, Matt. You're the worst. No. No, you're the new worst. <laughs> All right. I thought I was the old worst. Yeah, well, everything right is wrong again. Uh, <laughs> any further things? Uh, well, d- d- I think bit, we can... Uh, Data, well, I was just going to say that to have data along in the mission is like having Google on your phone. Because oh, like, Riker, Riker just turns to him and says, what's the melting point of uranium? And Data just t- tells him. <laughs> you couldn't have there just looked that up. Cute, there was a cute little trick that they did where they, like, vaporized the dry ice and then mm-hmm. hid behind the laser show that was going to happen before the magic act. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was actually cool. They they provided a smoke screen and then they made it look like they beamed out and then they like snuck up behind the guys. It actually wasn't a bad trick. What so Warf- but- the great Warfo and then he comes out to uh, <laughs> final final countdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we've we've pretty much pictured the uh, the stage show of uh, of Riker and the away team. <laughs> illusions, Captain. You're sick of my illusions, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We are Riker and the away team. Tricks are something a Patak does for money. <laughs> or gah. <laughs> All right. I want to stop talking about this episode now. All right. Uh, well, Gav, you, 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 you forced me to, but that would... <laughs> Tell me your quote. Oh, yes. It's a good thing you're here. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing I don't do my own show. Uh, here's my... <laughs> Here's my quote whenever Picard and the Enterprise, this isn't a group, they first see the, uh, they first meet the Chorgon ship. We are being hailed, sir. That's better. On screen. Rule! You traitor! You have led them here to destroy me! Chorgon, if I had wanted you destroyed, you would not be talking to me now. Obviously, I wanted something else. And what is that? I have on board Sovereign Maruk of Akamar 3. I want you to hear what she and Brol have to say. She's worth listening to. I don't wish to listen to either of you. You have no choice. Prepare to receive us. We are beaming on board. The card out. Yeah, and, and it's a fun quote, but it's also funny, like, visually, because he's just standing. Like, they keep shooting the ship, and it rocks a little. You know, you see the effect where things shake a little. And his face doesn't change. His, he, he's like, stays in the same position. It's like, hmm, well, now that that nonsense is done, let's uh, give them a call. <laughs> I like the way he plays that. All right. And then they just beam over anyway. Right. Uh, so, um, given the, the um, given the pattern of season three, it's now time for a good episode. Yep. And uh, Matt got it this week. So you can't complain that you only get the bad ones, Matt, because you, no, that's you true. drew a really good one this week. So problem is it's much harder to write a summary for the for the good ones. Yes, well... Give it, give it your best shot. Let's let's hear what All you right. have for. Yeah, because I'm writing it right now. The defector. <laughs> okay, so the Enterprise encounters a Romulan scout ship fleeing through the neutral zone, pursued by a, by a warbird. Scout ship's pilots beamed aboard, and the warbird leaves without so much as a single shot fired. Ship's sole occupant is a Romulan clerk requesting asylum within the Federation. He reveals that the Romulans are preparing to build a base within the neutral zone, violating the Prime Directive. I mean, uh, Treaty of I don't know something. Algeron. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Realizing that tr- that trusting a Romulan is about as good an idea as tr- allowing a scorpion to take a river ride on your fox, Picard is some- obviously somewhat skeptical. He has Riker and Troy interrogate the Romulan, who, not- <coughs> who no, has not revealed his name yet, so writing this is kind of a bit <laughs> difficult, but he refuses to betray his homeworld and is really vague about everything. 
Situation is obviously tense on the ship, as if the, as if what the Romulan is saying is true, it could easily result in a war between the Empire and the Federation. But what we've already seen, the Romulan Empire is really itching to do. Data and the Romulan hang out a little bit, and after Data shows him a pretty sweet shot of Romulus on the holodeck, surprising everyone with where the hell he got it, uh, the defector reveals himself to be high-ranking Admiral Jarek. After a shouted argument with Picard, Jarek finally breaks down and reveals everything he knows about the Romulan base, and the Enterprise heads into the neutral zone to investigate. They arrive at the planet in question, only to find absolutely nothing. No base, no Romulans, no nothing. Just a lot of sand and, oh, shit, a couple of warbirds. Captain by Tomalock, that unbelievable bastard. <laughs> Turns out Jarek had been getting a little lippy about Romulan policy, and the higher-ups decided to put some incriminating evidence into his hands to see what he'd do with it. Plan worked pretty much perfectly, and now they all and now they also have the Federation flagship to pick apart at their leisure. Things are looking bleak, except that the Enterprise except that Picard invited a couple of cloaked Klingon ships along as well. At a stalemate, the Romulans let the Enterprise go home empty handed. Left alone knowing that he, left alone, knowing that he's lost his home, his job, his family, and his dignity, Jarek writes a touching note to his wife and daughter, and then painlessly kills himself in his quarters, where he'll be no trouble at all. <laughs> I was waiting for the joke, and there it was. Yeah, like you I, say, I, so yeah, much... Yeah, I read ahead. <laughs> so much serious, fantastic stuff happening, I can see your difficulty. Yeah. Although I do like that you remember the scorpion riding across the river on a fox, because... Uh, Foxes are obviously known for their river crossing abilities. <laughs> yeah, it was a frog. You just you can't cross it with the uh, with, at the same time as the chicken is all. That, no, that's true, and you have can't leave the fox with the grain. Right, because foxes <laughs> love to eat grain. Yes, but the frog will not eat the grain. No, the frog will turn the grain into flies. Right, and then if you kiss the grain, <laughs> it turns into a princess. <laughs> it turns into ten gold coins. <laughs> You can trade to a leprechaun for a fine, fat goose. <laughs> I thought if you kiss the grain, you get a mouthful of tribbles. <laughs> well, this is only tritriticaly. It hasn't uh, hasn't evolved. Oh, right. Yet. It hasn't quadrified yet. Right. Oh, there's a so much. Of tribbles is, is my Star Trek novel. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to go alliterative with uh, with with Star Trek titles or with uh, tribble titles. You have to go like a tongue full of tribbles or something. Like I would call it the terrible, terrible tribbles. <laughs> All right, there's so many good things to talk about, but let's let's go through our uh, our stated ones first. Matt, what do you? Yes. Got? All right. Ugh. So many good things in this yep. episode, but I got to give my award to the dialogue. There are scenes with Picard and Data, Data and Jordy, Data and Jarek, Jarek and Picard, Picard and Tomalock, and they're all just pure gold. Yeah, they are. Well, I mean, we, we hadn't mentioned yet, but uh, the writer of this episode, Ronald D. Moore, no surprise there. Mm. We keep going well, on he, a few... Oh, good. I was going to say, he uh, he did write it first, and then they... Because I think the beginning and the end was very good, but they didn't like the middle, so mm -hmm. basically the entire room helped really? out with the middle of the, of the script. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was just willing to give him full credit for it. But, uh, Which is yeah, fine, because he's, yeah. he's a great writer. He is, but if, if the whole writing team pitched in, then well done all of them. Like, I certainly mm -hmm. want to give credit where it's due. No, I, a few people have, have approached me on Twitter and so forth and said, why do you always fixate on the writers? Like, why is this a thing you keep... I don't notice who writes episodes. I just... I, and it's because... Well, I mean, because I'm a writer and that's how I look at it. But yeah. it's because... You get to a point, you're sort of conditioned by Star Trek, where you see certain names and you know you're in for a good episode, pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. Diane Dwayne? Yeah, good well, episode. for books, yeah. But um, Well, and the the original series, I was thinking of. Uh, no, you're thinking of DC Fontana, I think. That's it, DC Fontana? Yeah. Good, <laughs> good episode. If you saw her name on, on the original series, absolutely. If you saw Gene Roddenberry's name, probably not. Yes. If you saw Gene, who's the good Gene? Gene, Gene Kuhn. Gene Kuhn? Good episode. Yeah, well, he Gene was about 50-50. I think he had a couple of bad ones, but... Um, all right, fine. But in this, and it's in the this writers series... that come up with the script, with the stories, basically. Yeah, but I, I don't know. And I, you're I, you're always going to have the characters there because they're going to be there week in week out. It's going to be the writers mm -hmm. that are going to come up with the the good things for the for the characters to say. It's it's that, yeah, that's I think, why. I think it's a little different now. <laughs> I think the way TV works now, like the way the Writers Guild is, you have to give one writer credit, but it's always a writers' room. It's always you know five people writing it together. Yeah. yeah, especially and, comedies, yeah. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. it, it's probably, you know, you're looking at it a bit differently versus this, where it was I most of the time, as I recall, you know, one writer, and then they would punch it up a little or whatever. Like, in this case, I guess I'm completely wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you were right about the, the beginning and the end. Yeah, but I, I just, I, I've come to, like I said, if I see his name in particular, 
I know we're almost guaranteed to, to have a good episode. Who are Michael Piller? I did. Is he? I always confuse him and Rick Berman. Is he the good one? No, he's the good one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Michael Piller's the one that came in season three. Because they're both producers, I think. Who also wrote. He, he's more of a, I think Michael Piller was more of the showrunner. Ah, okay. No, Piller I know wrote uh, uh, Best of Both Worlds Part 1, but I don't know what else he did and if it was any good, but uh, that's good to know. Although, but yeah. he, not to talk about Voyager all the fucking time, but, <laughs> <laughs> but he was involved with well, Voyager. Well, you do love Voyager. <laughs> yeah, well. Ron so, Moore went on to do DS9, so that there's that yeah. first, at least. Um, well, Matt, you're going to have to come up with a bad thing. What do you got? Okay, so according to Memory Alpha, this is the last time we see the real Tomalock. Uh, he appears twice more as an illusion and an alternate <laughs> reality, and that is a goddamn shame. Yeah, that's what I've been saying about season three. Like, they, there's some great episodes, and they really start ramping up the Romulans, and then they kind of whiz it down their leg with the whole Sela thing, which we'll see yeah. soon enough. And Tomalock, who they position to be this great recurring villain, just goes away. And that's yep. ridiculous, because <laughs> all, otherwise all we have is who? Q, the Borg, who aren't really one villain. Yeah. And that's it. Like, there's no... Oh, and lore. That's true. Lore. Lore. Hey, that episode's coming up soon. <laughs> Finally get I to think... justify that stupid voice we've been doing. <laughs> We're going think... to find out he talks perfectly. I think Tomalock was in, in... He's in two episodes that were, like, two episodes apart. Mm. And they probably just filmed him as the villain in one of them. And then since he was there, get him to do the other one. <laughs> Here, read this too. Hey, call your agency and see if you can get another day. We'll uh, we'll take care of this while you're here. Yeah, and then the illusion one—they probably brought him back to make it seem like it's not an illusion. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'd like when someone can stare down Picard. Like he's he's his equal. Oh, he's very he's good. The commander of another ship, mm. and he's a good actor, and he's got good presence. Like it's it's good to have someone who can match with with Picard. Well, it's and good in the illusion one that he's in. He isn't he isn't on the video screen. As I right. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I vaguely remember that one, but we'll get to. That. I think that's season four. We'll get to that fairly soon. We'll get to that. Yes. Um, I like. What do you, I like saying oh, we'll that on my there. show too. <laughs> we'll get to. <laughs> well, you have a lot more to get to than we do. Yeah, you you'll be getting the stuff when you're like. Eight. Yeah, you have <laughs> many many more doctors and several more decades. I mean, and Ga- and English Gab has regenerated twice. <laughs> And they're still making the bloody things. Well, it, it literally <laughs> killed him when Ian died, so he did have to regenerate that. <laughs> it almost killed me, too. That's a lot. <laughs> Just from pure joy overload. <laughs> All right, what is, what is your good That's thing okay, about That's okay, you can replace him with Swedish Gav. <laughs> Swedish Gav. Me? Yes. Uh, right, in a script, that conti- it's, the, the, the whole thing was about Shakespeare from, at the start, and it sort of contains Shakespeare. It's The, the dialogue is still able to contain its own. Yeah, it's, it's, its own. It, it, we, I, I, Matt, you didn't mention because you're not a big Shakespeare fan, I know, but also because no. I think your disc was messed up and you couldn't really watch the scene. But there's a there's an opening scene where they're on the holodeck. It's Picard and Data on the holodeck watching some. Uh, was it Henry V? Uh I think yes, okay. yes, yes. And um, I do. You know, you're supposed to know the kings over there, Gav. I don't. I, Richard the Third, Henry the Fifth. I don't fucking. It was that famous Shakespeare was, play, "Some King the Number." Yes, I think it was the Henry the Fifth where the king uh, disguises himself and goes to visit amongst the troops. Right. Um. And there's a bit where Patrick Stewart's playing one of the characters, and I for, at first thought it was supposed to be Picard playing him, but then you see Picard there as well, so it's just a coincidence, mm-hmm. which is good because I I got to thinking. If Picard acts in Shakespeare, is Patrick Stewart going to have to act as Picard acting as a character? And is, That's the mark of a true actor. And is he then going to have to make Picard not a great actor? Because he's probably not. And that would just kill Patrick Stewart to have to act Shakespeare badly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's almost nice... killed me trying to understand that. <laughs> <laughs> that's like asking him to not be Scrooge every Christmas. Right. Now that, there's, come on, that's, that's no more confusing than ship in a bottle. You just you need to think of the layers, and you you get there. Um, oh, I can understand that. Okay, uh, and your bad thing? My bad thing is, and I really struggle for this. It's uh, <laughs> Nirvana Three. I don't think is as good a planet name as Galordan Core, which was the last Romulan show. <laughs> Galordan Core. Galordan Core is a great name. Yeah, it is. And like I said before, do, great to say in do, our fake uh, Noonian Soon voice. Yes, yes. They, they do mention it a few more times, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of callbacks in this one, which I love. There's a lot of continuity between this and the previous Romulan episode, The Enemy, which is great. 
I feel like, uh, even though they're spaced apart, I feel like Ron Moore probably wrote them together. Well, again, I don't. it, it turns out that he didn't just write them, but I think the writer's room probably broke these two episodes together. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a deliberate choice. I don't know if we, we know this for a fact, but it seems nice that they put a little time between them. Even if it's only one or two episodes, it's nice yeah. that we didn't immediately go. It, it didn't feel like a two-parter that way. It felt like something that was happening over time, which I think is better. Yeah, no, that that's way more important for... You know, setting up... Yeah, a big war story. <laughs> it's not like a war happened in a week. It's This is all building no. over time, which I think works way better. Or it would, at least, if they ever came back to it. Yeah. Well, like I said, this is... And that, that goes right into my good thing. Fantastic plot, more of that great season three Romulan intrigue. It's, yes. it's what we said with the enemy, where they're taking that Cold War paranoia vibe, that building tension that the original series did so well, but doing it... In a next-gen way, updating it, revising it, making it more interesting to more modern audiences, and it works really well. They finally found a way to make that work. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. <laughs> the only – I do have a legitimate bad thing. Like, I actually think The Enemy is as close to a perfect next-gen episode as we've seen so far. This one had, I think, one flaw, like a legitimate flaw, which is um, the thing – the Shakespeare thing at the beginning, as Gav said, was about the king disguising himself as, as a soldier. And – the defector is claiming to be a, a logistics clerk and eventually ends up being an admiral. I just thought that was too telegraphed. I thought the Shakespeare thing made it really obvious that this guy was going to be a king pretending to be a soldier. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That I think this when you have an intro bit like that, if it sort of echoes the themes, that's okay. But this was, I think, a little too on the nose. Nah. <laughs> Unless he had been king of the Romulans, that would have been a little more. Yeah, that would have been okay. Or at least prince of the Romulans. Yeah. Prince of space. Or thieves. His weapons are useless. Uh, so let's let's talk about how great this was. It's oh my great. God, it was. So it's great. great. Okay, we're done. <laughs> now, like like that's it. Every scene, every single scene between two characters, and you would think, okay, so this is one of those talky episodes where just two characters talk and then two more characters talk and so on. But the story moved along at a really good pace, and there was action. There were explosions. <laughs> There were some really great action sequences yeah. in this. The the opening chase between the warbird and the uh, and the scout ship is just one of the finest. Like yeah, great looking like, little scout sp- ship too. Like nice model. But yeah, yeah. It was in, like, and the Enterprise just finds itself in between. The, like fuck, what do we do? Yeah. No, that was. Uh, you talked about how the scale could have been better though. Yeah, there's just we know the the warbirds are huge. They're bigger than the Enterprise. Yeah. And we should have seen that the scout ship, if it's only a one-man ship or two- or three-man ship or whatever, should have been much, much smaller, like the size of a shuttle. Yeah, like we're talking about a ship the size of a shuttlecraft right. versus a ship bigger than the Enterprise. That should be kind of, like, if they could show that, it would have been a lot more Yeah, and the way they framed it, it, they look almost the same size. And that's such yeah. a minor nitpick, and it's not worth, you know, it's not worth going into in great detail, but it, it did, you know. The scout ship is in the foreground! <laughs> the foreground! <laughs> Um, the uh, the Henry V bit was it was originally going to be sh- well it was going to be uh, Data and Sherlock Holmes. I did read. Oh and yeah, it, and it was only changed. They were only put. It was only suggested to put in the Henry V bit two bit two days before the filming. Really? Oh, that's the, right. I read that. Like Patrick Stewart had this great like idea. It's like, well, why don't we put it make it Henry V and reference back to that? Oh, so uh, he's he's responsible for my bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, so you should write him a letter. The thing is, Star Trek and Shakespeare, Matt, whether you like Shakespeare or not, they're, they're intertwined. They have been intertwined for a long time since Kodos the Executioner, I think. Yes, like, they should. They should have mentioned him in the list of actors. Yes, he was yep. a murderer. <laughs> well, they did that. They did that list of of three things. He was studying Olivier Brana and a third name you don't recognize because that's always how it works. And and Vulcan Shakespeare. Actor. I do love that Kenneth Brana. His ego has has extended to the 24th century. <laughs> I like Kenneth Branagh, but uh, the guy's really full of himself, and I love he it, he must have he must have loved that they name checked him here. I'm still around in the future, yay! That was uh, I think that was actually another intentional probably reference. like Picard, or uh, Patrick Stewart. I think was actually like referencing Branagh in like uh, well, I don't know some Shakespeare thing. No, I I think he's quite good. I just I find it amusing that. They would make it. They they very rarely made contemporary references. Yeah, it was just Kenneth Branagh and Stephen Hawking. Right. <laughs> Stephen Hawking, Shakespeare, not very good. <laughs> what light breaks through yonder window? 
<laughs> Computer, show me a show me a show me a version the version of Henry Henry V starring Stephen Hawking. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> or Richard the Third, a horse yes, by kingdom I did. for a horse. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was going to say the Henry V bit, it was quite, it was, you know, because it was uh, intermingled with the rest of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Considering it was only two days before, it was, it was. No, it good. fit, it fit well. Like I said, it was just a little too obvious. If Picard hadn't had the line specifically, he's a king disguising himself as a soldier. If the episode just counted on you to know Henry V and know that, that mm-hmm. would have been okay. It's the fact that he called it out. That I thought made it a little too obvious. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. But, but it would have been a nice, clever reference if they just assumed you knew. I also like. On the one hand, it was a really cool scene, but on the other hand, I never like Picard quoting Shakespeare to himself when he's alone in a room. <laughs> I do like that he doesn't just read it though. I like that he's <laughs> no, he's true. interested in seeing it performed, which is the whole point of it. Which is nice. No, but I mean, like halfway through the episode, after he's had his conversation with Data, mm-hmm. uh, Data leaves and he quotes something about. Uh, not sacrificing your troops in vain or something. Right. And I just, I don't like it when he does that sort of yeah, thing. that's fair. Doesn't bother me any, but I, okay. So you don't like old people, Shakespeare? Uh, <laughs> and anyone who talks to themselves who isn't me. Okay. Or people who take your books. Yes, I hate that most we need of to all. Start a, we need to start a wiki of all the things you hate, because they need to be wiki cross-referenced hate. and analyzed. <laughs> and then one time an old person stole my book. Oh, man. And then quoted Shakespeare at you. Yeah, I ran him over with my car. <laughs> you don't have a car. I have a car. Like, that you're all the time calling an auto? Yes! All right. I, um, I, can't, go ahead. I can't imagine you having a car. I'm not sure, sure what all that right, says then. about me or you, but there we are. <laughs> I, I like... Um, Worf didn't have a lot to do in this episode, but I like... There are a lot of little reactions. Like, w- yeah. we're about to go to war, and he just gets a little smirk, like, good. Yeah, and also we bring up the uh, the the Romulan he killed a couple of episodes right. ago. Right, and actually, um, Jarek actually likes him. He won't say that to his yeah. face. There's some nice, like, really intense insults happening, and then Worf leaves. Mm-hmm. It's like I like that guy. <laughs> that guy was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's and I like it's all killed. I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a there's a bit where he's um, flinging Klingon swear words at him. Yeah, and then uh, Riker just comes right back with with some Romulan swearing, and that's just that's a nice like guys in the Navy now who travel around to places with different languages know how to swear in every language. I like that that tradition continues into the future. Yeah, I completely buy Riker as the kind of guy who would look up how to swear in a bunch of different languages. Uh, just if you've been around and you've learned picked up things here and there from different cultures, the first thing you want to know is how to say "fuck off." Mm-hmm. Give me a beer and fuck off. Come that's up. it. <laughs> Well, as you do, will testify, he's a cunning linguist. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the the guy who played Jarek was quite good. Um, mm-hmm. He, <laughs> I recognized his voice because he did a bunch of Lexus commercials. Yeah. But um, apparently, uh, Gav was saying he plays uh, Odo's uh, quote unquote father, the uh, the Bajoran scientist. <laughs> Odo's bucket ring. Yes, but also he played. Uh, I have this in my notes. An older version of Alexander. Poor bastard. Yes. Oh God. And he was also in my favorite thing ever. Uh oh, Superman three. No Voyager. Oh, would you stop saying Voyager? <laughs> I'm trying not to, but he was in it. <laughs> stop <laughs> saying gummy. Look, if you got to say it. Pronounce it Viger. Yeah, that's, that's he was, a little. He was also in Viger. He played uh, Jatrell, a um, a genocidal scientist or something. All right. Flanco know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Poor bastards. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll get there soon enough. For now, listen, we have great episodes like this to deal with. Let's let's just uh, concentrate on this. Okay. I love the shot of the ship blowing up, the uh, scout ship. Yeah, and it was, was so oh, sudden. Yeah. They're just talking. Yeah, it was just yeah, they, outside. Because like, he was just still talking, and it was just outside the ship, and it just you just see it for a split second just before it blows up. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't telegraph it at, at all. Uh, often when they're going to do an effect like that... Yeah, like, they cut to, the a, actual... to an exterior of the ship, and you, okay, well, why are we looking at it? Something's about to happen. Yeah, or like the actor will stop talking just a slightly before or something. Yep. But like the the ship just explodes in the background, and it's <laughs> like, a big fucking deal. Like things explode on aqua teens, just... Yeah, arbitrarily for no reason. Yeah, Picard, things... Picard takes the ship and throws it on the ground and it explodes. <laughs> oh, Algar, things explode every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose so. Anyway, I didn't like it really. <laughs> I have a note here. Patrick Stewart is so great. Thank you. This has been painfully obvious theater. 
Uh, there's a, there's a line, uh, one world's butcher is another world's hero, and thus the character notes for Gul Dukat were begun. Yes. There's a, there's a lot of really good dialogue in this. There's a lot of, like Matt said, but a lot of just singular lines. Mm-hmm. And it must have been really hard for you to pick a quote, just because... I picked, as the episode was going along, I pulled like three separate sequences for a quote yeah. before I finally settled on mine. Did you, I'll cut this part out if, uh, if, if this ends up being your quote, did you do the bit with the stars? No, no. I, okay, uh, we should talk I about that then. Something else. Yeah, there's a great sequence where uh, Data comes up to <laughs> Data's staring at very creepily <laughs> staring at him. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. come up to him; he just stares at him. Yep. <laughs> and takes and, his uh, book out of his hand. Intent forward. Yeah, yeah very much. Swats like his book out of his hand. Yep. Um, can we actually just play that quote? Yeah, I, I usually don't like to do more than one quote because it's more work. But this is totally worth hearing. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would bring me some comfort. These are not my stars. Even the heavens are denied me here. Yeah, you can, you can see how. Uh, I mean, that's just like you could get that confused with Shakespeare. Yeah, it's it is just, a very. Yeah. I just think it's that good. Yeah, it's very. You know, I hate to use the the horrible Gene Roddenberry thing, but really the human condition, like there's really broad emotions that we can all re- like uh, relate to, and just yeah. big themes and just. Really good stuff. And I think if it's not just Ron Moore, then it's all the writers this season realized, oh, yeah, this show can talk about grown-up stuff. It's not just a, a dumb space show with laser whips and crouching. <laughs> we can actually do something cool. Dude, your Ferengi bias is showing Yeah, again. I know. I'm such a racist. <laughs> I don't know. I, and this is one of my notes, too. The Romulans really could have been so cool. Like, they were mm-hmm. really ramping up to be interesting and finally, you know, relevant. Yeah. And then it just goes away. Like, I would have loved to have seen... Well, I mean, I, this is the politics thing again. I would have loved to have seen a next-gen thing about a war with the Romulans. Would have been awesome. Well, I think the reason DS9, like, they were going into really unexplored territory for Star Trek, like, actually showing a war. There was a lot of controversy about that. Like, yeah, this is supposed to be the perfect future. You're not supposed to see that kind of thing. But, I mean, like, my thing is, uh, classic Trek... T- the entirety of classic Trek took place while the while the Federation was at war with the Klingons. That's true, and you know it didn't affect every episode, but it was something you could that you could uh, come back to every time you needed like an you know a decent enemy episode. Right. And having like a war, like a war going on with the Romulans, well, you know you've got the Fe- the Enterprise, which is supposed to be an exploration ship, you know, sort of doing its thing in the background. No, I totally agree, but I bet mm. I bet Gene didn't want that. No, of course not. <laughs> Shut up, Gene. There was, um, I've been complaining a lot about the score because there's still remnants of that terrible synth music that they put in with the orchestral the, score. The syntho flavo. Yes, yeah, syntho flavo. Ah. But, um, <laughs> no, in this one, they actually had more of a proper orchestral score. And I have a note here, but there was actually some war drums in the score toward the end, which yeah. is a mm-hmm. nice little subtle thing, but really gets you, you know, gets you going about it. Ron Moore would go back to that for every aspect of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, he overdid it a little there, I think. <laughs> I uh, I didn't notice the score at all, and that's don't that's they generally thing. say that's, that's a what good it's thing. For. Yeah. <laughs> no, I noticed the war drums just because they hadn't done anything like that before. Usually, yeah. the music they have generic sort of canned music they use in every episode. This is the first time I'd heard that. Mm-hmm. If they used it before, I hadn't noticed, but it, it really fit there, and I noticed it just because. Wow, this music is appropriate to the scene for once. <laughs> What a thing to happen. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> the um the bit at the end where you think the Enterprise is outmatched and, and just helpless, and then the Klingons appear. Mm-hmm. I at first I thought, oh god, that's a cheap thing. And then I thought, no, wait, they set that up. And the rest of the episode was so good I completely forgot that there was a scene with Klingons that didn't go anywhere. Yeah, that's my brain like, just ignored thing. that and, and pressed forward. Like, uh, with a worse script, that would have come off as just, like, a really terrible day. Why did, why did Picard say, Worf, go talk to the Klingons? I don't know. <laughs> That's why. Yes. It was great. And I think it's the first time we've properly seen, like, a good example of the Klingons and Feder- Federation being friends. It's yeah. not rogue Klingons trying to kill them. The Klingons are actually their friends, and they're bailing them out, like mm. you would expect with allies. Now you owe us a favor. Yeah. I have to wash his car now. <laughs> nah, who am I kidding? We would have done anything to beat up some Romulans. Exactly. Fuck those guys. Uh, what else? You see how massive uh, the holodeck is. Yeah, they, the, the, uh, when they, they when have... they take yeah when they take uh, 
James Sloyan, the actor. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember his name, but not the frigging character. And they take him to the holodeck to show him Romulus, and he's like, this isn't Romulus. And they turn it off. It's just... Yeah, it's like 10 stories high. Yeah, it's like huge. I think different holodecks are different sizes. Like, I think there's probably one for, like, more uh, high-impact exercise stuff, and I think those probably have to be bigger (laughs) for them to run around in, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, and there's like, a little tiny closet one for Troy and Abed to play. <laughs> Troy and Abed? Yes. <laughs> in the morning. Uh, is, that what what, uh, is that what Ambassador Troy, or uh, Counselor Troy is doing now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Counselor Troy and Abed in the morning. <laughs> oh, man, now I want to see that. Yeah, well. <laughs> go Google it when we're done. It's on a Tumblr somewhere. Yep. Down to me. <laughs> Uh, what else? Anything? Uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, yeah, the, it, def- uh, it definitely had that that vibe to it. Was that deliberate? That yeah. was. Yes. Oh, that was deliberate. Yeah, very nice. Um, that was one of the they were. Well, it felt wanted like to it. sort of reference the like the old Cold War Trek episodes. Yeah. no, it definitely worked here. I like that. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, it yes. was really good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Well, is it? I can't remember. Jarek, he was he was when he was being stared at. He he was complaining about not having any privacy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm easily just thought, oh, you're one of those people that go to public places for privacy. Are you? <laughs> hey, I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah, Matt's definitely one of those people. What you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you, this to- is why people steal your books. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're really working through a lot of your issues this week, Matt. <laughs> This and every week. <laughs> Oddly enough, from the from the the dispassionate guy from the UK, and from me, who completely doesn't care. <laughs> there is there um, is zero empathy on the other end of this call for you, Matt, and yet we're working through your issues. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, uh, I liked uh, Troy as an interrogator. Yes, yes. I almost forgot about that. She doesn't do very much, but I don't know. Th- her being there makes total sense. Mm-hmm. She sh- like. The empath should be there when you're interrogating someone. That's kind of badass. I like that. Yeah, like this is the this is the best time to have someone who can go. I think he's lying. Yep. And but she was really angry. She was. Yeah. I like that too. I like probably it. didn't have any chocolate ice cream or something like that. <laughs> yep. It's my only line. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just. I mean, I guess I like it more for the implication. I like it. I like more the idea of it. They didn't really do much with it, but just having her there. Mm-hmm. And and t- actually taking her seriously was nice. She wasn't just ordering chocolate or, you know, falling in love with every boy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> also, I like the idea of her and Riker playing good cop, bad Troy. <laughs> well, when when they're finished, they'll play good cop, very bad Troy. <laughs> <laughs> unless Utah shows up. Somewhere. Yeah, unless unless he's not over Utah yet. But that's... Uh, yes. I'm sure he is. Oh, undoubtedly. It's been, what, like three days? Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. All right. Any further business? Uh, uh, Tomalock. Yep. I yep. just like saying Tomalock. <laughs> well, who doesn't? Tomalock, 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 Tomalock. Oh, and uh, I liked the uh, the using the delayed transmission. Yes. That's another. I just, there's so many good things. I didn't necessarily want to read down every little thing, but yes, you're absolutely right about that. There's a there's a whole uh, thing where uh, because they're so far away from Federation space that Picard's getting delayed transmissions from some admiral, and he has to handle things mostly on his own. And I like that's a that's a trapping of science fiction that they don't use very often, and they mm-hmm. use it to really good effect. Like it works for the story that way. <clears throat> I think. Like, I really love the idea that, like, this is a huge thing and the Federation is completely worried about it, but they can't just flat out give him orders. He's, like, he's kind of Yeah, Picard has to make his own decisions and hope for the best. Because yeah. the best he can do is then tell them what happened. It's, there's, there's too, they'd lose too much time going back and forth like that, mm-hmm. which I really liked. Yes. Right. Oh. Yes. And uh, when when uh, they were showing the... Jarek, the, uh, the how to make water from, from oh, the yes. replicator. Oh, yes, the second time in, in, in two weeks. And it was just, uh, he asked for it in Romulan temperature, and it said it's calibrated to Celsius. Mm. Ha! Take that, Fahrenheit. Uh, you <laughs> and your damn metric have, system. That's all I have to say on that matter. Right. And then me, and, then, then me and Gav had a discussion on whether... Uh, 
I said, well, it probably knows other temperatures and can calibrate, but it is towards, it does know, it only knows, you know, it would know Celsius. Right. And I said, it probably doesn't know Romulan temperatures, but it knows it is a temperature. <laughs> but yes, we and basically. Said, we, I don't care. Basically, we did have a fucking conversation. Oh, about of course that. you did. About the science, <laughs> no, the, the freezing point of water and so forth. <laughs> Trust me, you're talking to exactly the right guys for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the triple point of water, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Why don't we move on to your quote, Matt? <laughs> oh yeah, um, I basically went with. There's an extended sequence at the end of Tomalock and Picard going back and forth, just being completely badass. Yeah, we use the word badass a lot this season, but really, that's because everything about this season rocks. Yeah, it does. Well, not everything. Well, not the except the last episode. Yeah. It, well, yeah. But everything Picard does seems to just be pure gold. So, he is uh, great. Yeah. Uh, this. What shall it be, Tomalok? You will still not survive our assault. You will not survive ours. Shall we die together? That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, did you? Did you? I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't actually heard the quote yet because I haven't pulled it for you yet. Does that include the bit about the broken Enterprise hull? Um, th- I think that I think that makes the sequence like way too long. Like, okay. I think it's already like. I think I'll, like, two or three minutes. Yeah, there's a, there's a great bit where you realize, because at first we're all, like, they went to all this trouble just to humiliate their admiral, and then you're like, no, what they did was they lured the Federation flagship somewhere it wasn't supposed to be and mm-hmm. ambushed them so that effectively they could have this ultimate sort of trophy to show mm-hmm. the rest of the troops, look, we broke the Enterprise. This is this is its yeah. hull. Now go kill. Like, that. that's mm-hmm. pretty damn cool. Well, and also getting access to all that uh, galaxy-class starship technology can't be a bad thing. Sweet Federation candy when you break open the pinata <laughs> that is the Enterprise. Yes. Now I want a Fed. Now I want an Enterprise pinata. <laughs> See, I want an Akamarian pinata just so I can beat it to hell. But it would just, yeah, it would fall the apart. Candy. It would fall apart in minutes anyway. <laughs> well, right. Candy just bursts out of his ass. Stolen candy falls out of it. <laughs> All right, that is all for this week. Gav, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, as always, for, for for the three people in our audience that don't yet know, uh, why don't you tell the people about <laughs> your uh, Doctor Who podcast? Okay, myself and English Gav, uh, we do a, a podcast, Drunken Time Travel, where we drink beer and review Doctor Who from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we're also doing as well as that. It's every three weeks, and in the week after that, we're doing. A thing called either drunken science or drunken history, depending on the episode we've just done. Oh, where we'll talk about the the real world science or real world history behind the Doctor Who episode. This is this is news to me. This is this is glorious yeah, news. Awesome. I like that. That's I look forward to that. But they'll not be as long. They'll just be like 15, 20 minutes. Each. Sure. So you'll only drink half a beer, or maybe like you'll share a beer or something. Yes. <laughs> Share? <laughs> no one's sharing. Any you pour beers. them into glasses. I mean, come on, don't be. Well, well, yes, we did that for one of the owners. All right, but yes, we're doing that. Now. Uh, tell the people how to get there. <laughs> oh, good point. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's also on drunkentimetravel.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about it. All right, and uh, coming up, we've teased this before, uh, in, I don't know, a couple of months, whenever the comic series is done, we will be doing a crossover with you guys. Um, we will. Drunken Time Travel and post Comic Horror to discuss the Doctor Who, Star Trek uh, comic crossover, and I'm sure we'll find some other things to compare and contrast. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure First issue has just been released. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do, I have a copy. Do not it. reveal what you think of it. I haven't it seen it. I haven't read it yet, so... I'm I'm wondering if I should wait and read the whole thing or if I should read it month to month. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But yeah. Well, I've read it, but uh, probably a good idea just to read. I'll probably read it and then read the whole thing at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. It's Doctor Who and Star Trek. It's not It's not going to pain <laughs> you to experience it twice. Well. This is something, something you've probably <laughs> been dreaming of for, yeah. you know, 20 or 30 years, so. Now if they could just make it a show, we'd be fine. Yeah, that'd, that'd be yeah, all right. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Any doctor, any captain except Archer or Janeway, that's fine with me. Yeah, they don't deserve it. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that'll be happening in a few months, and uh, that is all for now. So, Matt, say your thing. Mendoza! <laughs> See you, folks. <laughs>
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.